because I said, I'm in the wrong industry. Yeah, I funny. need to increase my odds. Yeah. I need to be doing real estate. What's up, guys? Today we're with my good buddy, Ivan Tejeda. He is the Airbnb king. So he's an investor out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and he has his own Airbnb coaching program. And he personally does over $50,000 a month in Airbnbs every single month. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you for having me, man. I mean, the, there's a lot, knowing you for a short while through the mentorship of Ryan Pineda and stuff, it's yeah. got, to know, got to know you a little bit. And I look up to you both on the Airbnb and investing side, but also on the physical side, because you're such a, like, a, a big guy. You know, every time I come <laughs> to you, I can always like spot you like a mile away. A lot of people forget yeah. that I'm 6'4", especially because um, you see me like on camera. On Zooms, right? So on, on the Zoom, Zoom like you're, you're, everybody's the same height, but in person, yep. like you're, you have such a, like a, you've got, but the thing is that you've got a good presence on camera and also on Zoom because you lead a lot of these coaching calls for like the mentorship and like teaching people about Airbnb, which is super helpful and inspiring, by the way. Thanks. But at the same time, just like the, you got a presence in both worlds, you know, so just it's super cool. No, man. I, uh, yeah, it's something that I've been, you know, kind of honing in on for mm -hmm. a long time, this whole real estate space. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into like how that all happened and all yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah, man, I'm just, you know, grateful to be in rooms like you know, with Ryan, with you and yeah, a bunch of yeah. other people that are doing things at a high level, a higher level than me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's yeah. the kind of room I really want to. I, I mean, I, we, I just had a conversation with another buddy the other, I mean, recently about, I love being the smallest fish in the room. Right. Like whenever like you're getting to these masterminds and rooms, like I feel like when you're the biggest fish, like you get complacent, you get a big ego, yeah, yeah. like you, you lose motivation. But when you get to rooms like, like guys like yourself or Ryan and some of these other killers, I'm like, I'm over here and you guys are over here and I'm, I'm like, I'm super motivated, inspired, but I'm also like, I want to kind of reach to that level. Like, you know, so I, I love being those, those kinds well, of Well, that's the thing. Like I might be up here in a certain area, mm -hmm. but in another area, you're going to be up here that mm -hmm. I'm down here. So mm -hmm. I love the fact that we're able to like be in a room where we could mm -hmm. all contribute to something and, you know, share our different our differences, but yeah, we yeah. could all win from it. Yeah. Yeah. So starting out when, I mean, you haven't always been a real estate investor. No. I mean, the. What were you doing before real estate and how did you kind of get into it? So before real estate, um, if I give, if I go way back, um, okay. I was in sales all my life. Okay. Other than my very first job, I was a, a clerk at Walgreens. That okay. was my very I first love job. It. I love it. Yeah. And then that was the only job that I didn't make like commissions or some sort okay. of. It was like a just straight salary. Straight salary, right? Or hourly at that time, right? And then after that, I got into, I don't know if you remember Circuit City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, remember Circuit I used City. to work at Circuit City. That was my first introduction into being able to get paid for my time and okay. also my efforts. So okay, I would get okay. commissions from the TVs that I sold. Okay. Wow, and back okay. then the TVs were like six thousand, seven thousand dollars. Wow, okay. Right. So my commissions at like nineteen years old, twenty years old at that, but um were nice, man. Like I was living yeah, at home, yeah. no expenses. Yeah, yeah. So I was living I was a baller, bro. <laughs> I was the baller of my group of friends because I, I was it. just crushing it. And I naturally was a good salesperson. Okay. But that's when it all started. I didn't know. Then I, I moved into another um, retail um, space. Uh, I was another store called Tiger Direct, which I think is only in Florida. Okay. I don't, I don't remember. But, and then from there, my last job, I guess, or career was through, um, insurance sales. I was a, a all state agent. Okay, okay. I worked my way up in that ladder. I worked for an agent locally. I was a salesperson, obviously doing what I knew how to do. <laughs> um, from there I was like a sales supervisor, then sales okay. manager, then office manager. So making commissions the whole time while you're doing this. Right, okay, right. Okay. So it was salary plus commission this whole time. Yeah. But at the same time, you're really honing your ability to sell or communicate with people. Because, right. I mean, you're basically, you get paid based on your ability at, at those kinds of jobs, right? So. Exactly. Um, and then for me, I just knew that if I was not getting a job that could pay me aside from what my hourly rate mm -hmm. was, I was selling myself short. It's like, yeah, dude, yeah. I should be able to make my hourly just to yeah, have a base. Yeah, yeah. 
and make more and perform more. Yeah. Right. I, I love it. And this, you're probably like building confidence in yourself, right? It's just you're having a lot of success. It's probably compounding and then just right. building into a better leader and also like entrepreneur and also probably just like salesperson in general, right? A hundred percent. Simultaneously, I, I was part of a couple of network marketing companies okay. that then introduced that aspect of not only being able to make money from my own efforts, but also leveraging other people's efforts, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah, in network yeah. marketing, you make money when other people yeah, make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when I got introduced into that world, I was like, okay, I could, I could do this. And obviously that was always on the side. Mm -hmm. I, I had my job. And um, funny enough, I remember one time I went to the presentation yeah. that my mentor at the time, Alfred Nixon, was uh, you know, doing a presentation okay, on network okay, marketing. Okay. And he said something that pretty much changed the, traje the trajectory of my life in business. Because he said he was doing this presentation kind of boasting about network marketing is the has made is second to how many uh, millionaires yeah, it's made. Okay. I think and I, I real think estate was one. Yeah, go ahead with this. <laughs> yeah, funny. so when he said real estate is the number one um, breeder of millionaires, millionaires yeah. I said in my head, as he said it towards the beginning yeah, of his presentation, yeah, yeah. I didn't listen to anything else okay. after that because I said, I'm in the wrong industry. Yeah, I funny. need to increase my odds. Yeah. I need to be doing real estate. So that whole presentation, after he said that, I was literally thinking all the angles. Okay, can I do real estate like this? And like, uh -huh, no, I need uh -huh. a lot of money. And that's when that journey kind of began mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. me figuring out a way to get into real that estate. That was the spark that kind of started the, the whole the whole domino. Yeah, so. exactly. And to this day, I tell him like, dude, you don't even know uh, <laughs> what you start what you stirred up. Like, I'm technically here because of what you said that day. <laughs> that's funny. You know. So funny. Um, and sure enough, that's when. Um, and I don't know if stop me if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I was gonna get into the story where it's like, okay, how I found out about rental arbitrage, which is please, what I did. Yeah, please. Like, so I mean, so. You, you're sitting in this meeting, you're listening to an MLM presentation, you're saying like, hey, we're great, we're number two as far as making millionaires. Yeah. We're just below the number one, which is real estate, right? Real estate. And you're like, why am I number two? Why am I going for number one? So yeah. real estate investing is on your radar. Are you like, did you, what was the next step? Are you reading? Are you like trying to network? What's so yeah, next? great question. So at, at the end of the day, I always, and I feel like everybody at some yeah. point is like, I want to do real estate, but it's okay. such a far off goal. It's like, you need to amass a certain it amount does. of wealth. Yeah before you go into it. This is such a good point, I think, because when I first started, I knew absolutely nothing about real estate. And like, I thought like only real estate was for other people. Right. And like for me working at like a W2, like in, in Hawaii, I was like, hey, it's, I'll never afford a house. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it's impossible to buy a house. And just like, it seems so far, like the gap right. of like what, cause I knew like absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. So it, it just seemed like so, so complicated and so far away. Like, you know, but obviously like some of us, we figured it out and it's not as hard as like people might like actually like, um, think it is right so no yeah and it, and a lot of the people that are not in the real estate space they'll mm -hmm. say oh if you ask them what is your five-year goal or 10-year yeah, goal yeah, yeah and usually real estate is in there in some capacity mm -hmm. and that's because they put it so far out because they don't know the different ways to get into it yeah and yeah. i was one of them honestly yeah. completely so the reason why i stumbled upon like the method that i kind of honed in on and i'm an mm -hmm. expert in now mm -hmm. Uh, which is rental arbitrage, is yeah. because I was trying to find other ways to get into the real estate yeah. space in some way. Yeah. And then um, I obviously had stayed at a couple Airbnbs at the mm -hmm. time. Um, and by a couple, I literally mean like maybe two. Okay. Um, and every time I stepped into these properties, I'm like, man, I wonder if I could do this. This is like furnished. And I just yeah. came in and I did it in the app. Like I probably could do this. And then I'm pretty sure most people that walk into an Airbnb, mm -hmm. it crosses their minds that they could a also brief, do that. A brief glimpse, like it would be cool if I, this is my Airbnb or exactly. I wonder if, I, if I could Airbnb my yeah. house or whatever. Right? So, Literally, yeah. everybody everybody in their mom yeah. wants to do the, the whole Airbnb thing where 
you you get a property in a location that you want to go vacation, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And you have it there, but when you're not using it, some people are using yeah, it and it's yeah, paying for yeah. itself. Like everybody thinks of that. Yeah. But I took action with that okay, thought, right? Okay. So in that case, I learned about rental arbitrage. Um, at that time, there wasn't that much content to, as there is today. Mm-hmm. There wasn't people like me teaching it yeah, so readily, yeah. and there's a bunch of people that are yeah, teaching yeah, it yeah. at a high level as well. There wasn't much, but there was enough for me to kind of like grab information here and here. I, I went to YouTube yeah, University yeah, to yeah, learn yeah, as much yeah, as I possibly yeah. could on the topic. And that took pretty much three months of me learning um, as much as I can and so playing things out. focusing in on like, just like, hey, I, I, I think rental arbitrage is, the, is a path for me. And so it's like YouTube University, just learn, learn, learn as much as you can. Just absorb as much information just so you can prepare yourself to kind of jump in like with. Uh, exactly. With there was this guy that was doing it at a really high level at the time. Um, his name is Ron, uh, Sean Rakicic and he was doing it really Okay. Like how I wanted to do it. Yeah. And and basically what that was is getting into apartment communities. Okay. And then getting properties that are one bedrooms, you know, studio apartments. Okay. Okay. Uh, two bedrooms, if anything. Um, and that's kind of what I, that was my business model. I was mm-hmm. going to get into one community, get as many units that I possibly mm-hmm. can in that community. So, you know, explain to me how the business model works a little bit more. So. Yeah. So in essence, what it is, is that I get permission from landlords okay. to be able to rent the properties okay. from you know, the landlords okay, and be okay. able to list them on Airbnb. Okay. So furnish it. And the way I like to explain it, um, and maybe you've heard of this explanation, but the way I like to explain it is that when you're renting a property, you're technically buying a portion of time. In this yeah, case, most yeah, times yeah, 12 yeah. months, right? So yeah, you're buying yeah, 12 yeah. months of being able to have the rights to this mm-hmm. property. Now, what we do then as rental arbitrage in rental arbitrage is we enhance that same property to increase the value, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then we sell it at smaller uh, bite sizes in this case nights per nights yeah, right yeah, yeah and then you increase the perceived value yeah so i don't know if you ever sold candy at school or anything like that okay or break, chocolate break bars I, or I anything like that just break it down, break yeah it down, so, so imagine you know back in the day as kids we used to grab candy boxes buy them at costco okay. or in bulk right and you you get them for a significantly less yeah. amount so you buy a, like a box of let's say like snickers whatever for like 50 bucks, whatever, you get a hundred right. of them. Right, right so. exactly. And then you go and sell them one off, you yeah. c- you have a markup because yeah, now yeah, yeah. You, you're providing a, a service. So very similarly with mm-hmm. this, but with real estate, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that's what we did. My wife and I decided in our first year, we wanted to get 12 listings. Okay, okay. Um, and that meant getting one per month. Okay, okay. So what we decided to do at the time, we didn't have any children or anything like that. Um, we moved from home back in Miami to Charlotte, North Carolina. This was five years ago, going on six now. Um, and uh, we decided that we were going to get one a month. And So when you say one a month, it's like you're looking for uh, rent um, units that are for rent. Yep. Talking to the landlord saying, hey, Mr. Landlord, I'd like to rent this for you this much. By the way, is it okay if I rent it out to somebody else like during the week or something? Yes. Like yes and no. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we were doing this in apartment communities, we mm-hmm. technically had to do that pitch once. Okay. Okay. Right? Um, well, once until we capped out the amount of listings that we can have in that one community. Okay. Okay. So when we got our first unit, yes, we had to go through that whole pitch, mm-hmm. do the do it the process the right way, which is basically making sure that the, uh, the clauses that are conflicting to mm-hmm. the operation that we're trying to do um, are re- waived or removed yeah, or what yeah, have you. Yeah, yeah. In this case, is pretty much the subletting clause okay. and the advertising clauses okay. that are in most lease agreements. So, question for you: um, How receptive were the guys to? And why would I? Why would I do like let you rent my 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 unit if I if I know I'm gonna like sublet it? Why wouldn't you? Is a good question. I'll I'll turn it around. Why wouldn't you as a landlord? Because you're a landlord, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why I, wouldn't I, I, you I, let let me? Yeah. 
What would so be your objection? There's strangers maybe coming through my property that like I don't I'm not signing a lease with them. I'm signing with you. Yeah. Or is my apartment gonna get destroyed? Or I guess yeah. that'll probably be the, the biggest objection. The biggest one. Or the second one might be like yeah. I mean that's that'll probably be the biggest objection. The, the other one I'll, I'll ask you the other one after. So. Yeah. So in essence, really, what we hone in on and what mm -hmm. I teach in the coaching program is that every landlord has pain points, and okay, usually okay. that revolves around like you said. Is the place going to be trash? Is, mm -hmm. you know, am, um, am I going to always have someone there? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the churn like? Do I have to worry about, you know, payments and mm -hmm. all these different mm -hmm. things? And mm -hmm. when we're doing this type of business, we make a lot of the landlord's pain points uh, or we, we make them at bay because if I'm renting it from you, we're yeah. doing it. It's more so of a partnership versus a landlord-tenant relationship, okay. Okay. right? Because I'm telling you, Mr. Landlord, hey, um, I'll I'll take a I'll go ahead and use the property. I'll rent it from you for what yeah. for what you're asking for. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw a little bit more. Okay. But in, in reality, I'm gonna take care of this property better than anybody else because my business is gonna depend on it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay. Right, like it's always gonna be in for sale condition. Mm -hmm. um, if my business is doing well, you will never have to worry about any other tenants. Yeah, the same yeah. property that we got back in 2019 when we first started our business, mm -hmm. we still own it. To, like we okay. still have still rented. We still renting it. Okay. It's been you know on yeah. renewal. Ever since I mean, then. Now that you think about it, I mean, like, you would probably be, like, the ideal tenant, right? Because you just, it's clean regularly. And, like, you said a good point that your business depends on it. So, yep. like, that's a, that's a really good point, actually. Too, yeah, to it's make, so. in my best interest that the property mm -hmm. is very well taken mm -hmm. care of and, you know, furnished and smelling mm -hmm. good and all these things that, as a landlord, you really don't have a, 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 con a way to control whether yeah, or not that's yeah. going to be the case with your regular tenants, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, You technically have, as a landlord, more control over your prop or the property doing business with someone like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially when you have it, if it's like like in an apartment community, um, it's very close-knit. So if we put a, a work order in, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. maintenance comes into the property, they see on a yeah, consistent yeah, basis yeah. how the property is looking yeah. and so forth and so on. So long story short, you know, it behooves, obviously, to, to a landlord that understands this game mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how well we do to explain it to them. Yeah, it, yeah. It's in their best interest to find people like me. Like landlords should be begging me to take their properties, I li I like which that. they understood. Yeah. Yeah. In my case, we had the same communities and we got a building directly in front of the, um, of this one that we got into. So we have like a little neighborhood of different competing technically uh, communities, mm -hmm. apartment communities. But I have apartments in all of them. And they were saying, Ivan, we have another one in, and it looks like it's a good price. And they, mm -hmm. they'll tell me, you can go ahead and rent this one or they'll send me business. If somebody goes into the leasing office requesting you know, a short-term rental or something furnished. Mm -hmm. Hey, Ivan, I have so-and-so, and they refer me business, right? But, of course, that part came with a track record of doing things the right yeah, way yeah, and yeah. so on. So, like, because when you're a brand-new operator, like, they don't know if you're really going to be able to know what you're doing or what if you got a business and I, I, I can't pay or I can't get my rent. But, like, once you have the track record and, like, maybe the portfolio, you're like, I can trust Ivan. Like, he does an excellent job. Like, there's – my place looks amazing, whatever yeah. they did to it, the way they furnished it and stuff on, on online. And so, like, actually, now that you say that, I think – I would love to have you as a to rent my property and like make it look nice. You know? There you so go. Absolutely, funny. man. It's it's actually it becomes an easier sell mm -hmm. the more knowledge you have about the business model. Yeah, yeah. That's what I tell my students all the time. The only reason why you're hesitant or you feel like you might not get it is because mm -hmm. you don't yet believe in it yeah, or you don't yeah, understand yeah. how much of an asset you yeah, are yeah. to the landlord. Yeah. And I tell them all the time. I try to instill this in their brains. I'm like, dude. You are the asset here. You yeah, are yeah. the partner that they should want to partner with. Mm -hmm. You just need to understand that part. 
And then you also have a different demeanor when you walk into a room, right? It's like I tell them all the time. It's like, imagine if a girl uh, 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 is getting hit on by a guy that's timid and yeah, like yeah, he yeah. doesn't feel sure of himself. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, know yeah. what his worth is. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be like, okay, weirdo. Like, yeah, yeah, chill. yeah. Right. But if you go in there knowing what your worth yeah. is and you freaking conduct yourself and you yeah, yeah, you show yeah. up, you know, like you work for a Fortune 500 company, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. dressed really well and all these things, they're going to treat you a different way. 100 percent. I think a lot of it comes down to conviction, too. I think you yes. made a really good point where like they're not sure why like someone would, would want to rent or let them rent it. But once you kind of explain to them, like, wow, like you are the asset, like they would they should be asking you and trying to court you. Yeah. Now, like the convictions there and like whatever. I feel like good salesmen are always. 100% believe in what they're, they're selling. They believe their product. Yeah, Funny enough, I was talking about that with Ryan just now in the mastermind. We were all talking about it. It was mm -hmm. a group of like 10 of us um, just masterminding about everybody's different, yeah, yeah. you know, things going on with their business and so on. And and um, that's something that he mentioned too. Is like, if you don't believe in it, you're not going to be able to sell it, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. if you don't believe in this mic and you're selling this mic, yeah, yeah. He, you're going to be like, hey, there's other products out yeah, there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, no, this is the it one. It comes across as like, it's, it's subtle with all these little micro kind of expressions or things where like it's, you don't realize it, but like when you're, you, when you believe it, you're like, you're stoked about it. You want to like get, you want this person to like understand it or see like how you can see like the value that's going to get to their life. But when you're like, I feel like I'm ripping this person off or like right. you may not like it, then it's, it's going to come across way different or it's going to be harder for you to kind of fake it. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, 100%. And that's another thing that I tell them all the time is like, especially when you're first starting, you don't mm -hmm. have a portfolio. Mm -hmm. You don't have the same amount of properties that Ivan has. Yeah, yeah. You don't have any of the experience, but you have the knowledge, but you need to kind of fake it till you make it in that mm -hmm. sense because um, they won't know that. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know that you don't have all these different things. But yeah, if you yeah. have the knowledge and you know what to say, what not to say, yeah, how to make yeah. them feel. And another thing, another pointer that I learned early on in my sales career, actually at Circuit City, I kept realizing that everybody who came to buy a TV that didn't know about technology, yeah. they would bring their friend that did. Okay, okay. So they're always that friend that knew trust, about like, TV hey, that they trust. If my friend says it's okay, we're okay, basically. Ex literally. Thing, so. If he says it's okay, we'll buy that. Yeah, that's so I kept noticing that trend. And then I'm like, with time, I kept realizing that if I ever want to sell something, I need to become that friend, that that's trusted so friend. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. That I could then you know, advise them yeah, so and need, be honest about it. You, you know? need two things, right? You need to have the trust that they can trust you as a person so that you're their friend, mm -hmm. but also the credibility that you know what you're talking about. So exactly. if you get the trust and the credibility, that boom, that's a, that's a done deal sale. And the credibility also comes from pointing out the, the negative side of things. Yeah, Because yeah. if you start saying all of the things that are right and yeah, all the things yeah. that are the upside and all yeah, of that, yeah. it sounds too good to be true. It's, it's, that's such a good point because even like when people are selling me, whenever they tell me like all the things that can go wrong, Mm -hmm. I just trust them like way more because I'm right. like, they're like, okay, they know what they're talking about. It's like, if they're just, if they tell me like, yeah, nothing will ever go wrong. It's like, it's like, there's no, there's no downsides. It's all upsides. Right. Like, it's just by default. I just like, I'm not sure whether to trust them. Like, you know, yeah, so. it's, it's, it sounds too scammy, too yeah, pitchy yeah. and all of that. And it's important to say all of the things, just like, for instance, in this scenario, when we're trying to get a landlord to, mm -hmm. to let us rent their property, yeah. um, you know, in the case of an apartment community, for instance, we tell them, Hey, you're right. I can't guarantee you that any of our tenants are going to, you know, yeah, trash the place yeah, or yeah. act like they shouldn't, yeah. you know, um, or disturb the neighbors. Mm -hmm. Just like you can't 
guarantee me yeah. that the neighbors surrounding the property that I'm renting from you mm -hmm. are not going to disturb my clients, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a thing. However, what I can guarantee you is how we're going to act if that does happen. I love that. I love that. Right. So, so I put that perspective and that reality behind it. Things are in your control, and like maybe the objection they might have, but how you would solve it if it actually came up, right? Yeah. So. And and that so builds good. the trust initially, mm -hmm. and then when you actually do get the lease and you lock it in and all these different things, when something does come up, mm -hmm. you need to follow through on what you told them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then depending upon how you follow through, especially that first or second or third time, yeah, yeah, will determine whether or not you're going to continue to be, you know, get that renewal or get more properties yeah, or yeah, so on yeah, and so forth. Yeah. But because we had such a high track record of having a zero tolerance for any type of disturbance mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all these different things, um, you know, they were like, here, here, here. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, only yeah. to get more properties, but also like business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, lo I love it. I love it. So kind of like break down like this business model a little bit. Like what are you renting it for? And like what do you, what do you rent like the from the, the landlord? And is it, what's the nightly cost? Like what? What's yeah, the absolutely. So in essence, in Charlotte, every market is going to be different. But okay. let's say in Charlotte, um, I personally don't go. My niche is more so smaller properties, one okay. bedrooms. Why is that? Studio apartments. Because... I want to cater more towards that steady income, which is working travelers, okay, travel nurses, okay. that dependable, you know, that is the not median, so the seasonal. Median, the median kind of like right. If I go to vacation also. rentals, there's going to be high seasons that are high mm -hmm. and there's going to be really low seasons that are really low, like mm -hmm. stagnant, vacant all the time. So I kind of wanted that. I also wanted to be able to come to market really quickly without okay. much capital. It's uh, uh, completely different to furnish a one bedroom, a studio apartment than it is a three, four bedroom house. That's true. That's very true. Right. So I kind of wanted to do that um, at scale and I wanted to do it more volume. In my case, I don't get once I do the numbers and all of that, I don't really get a property unless I know I'm going to net at least a thousand dollars per door. Okay. Right. And we're sitting anywhere between, you know, 12 to 14. OK. So like what are you renting it for and what do you what's the nightly look like on the back end? So. On average, if we were to, you know, average it out, um, we're doing about $2,500 per door. To rent it as rent. So you're renting for the landlord at $2,500. No, we're renting oh. it for like $1,300. Okay, okay. Right? But in revenue, we'll do about $25. Okay, okay. Right? It's like nightly, like uh, $200 a night or something, or $150. Yeah, something like that. Like $150 if you average it out, $120. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Somebody do the math and correct mm -hmm. us. Um, but... Yeah, so my my goal, I don't really necessarily break it down to the night. I know that yeah. my cost per night is usually around $45, okay, right? Okay. That's including everything cleaning and all of that once you average it out. But yeah, we on the weekends, we could rent it out usually at around 170 a night or okay, so. Okay, okay. Talking about a weekday, it's usually at around 87 um, yeah, okay. 67, 67 on the low end. Mm -hmm. And then ninety seven on the high. I mean, yeah, yeah, weekdays because I mean, yeah, weekdays and weekends are completely different. So these are these, they sound like very affordable. Like it's not luxury. It's like hey, like median income. Like the yeah guys are coming to like like the, these are really nice like, locations. But then again, you're comparing it probably to you know Hawaii well, or um, well, yeah Hawaii's stupid prices for yeah, uh, yeah freaking Vegas California. Yeah, but no, these are really nice locations. Okay. It's an area called South Park, which you okay. know in front of our our buildings, there's this. Um, mall that has all of the high-end brands louis vuitton okay, okay. ysl you know yeah. so it's still in a really really nice area yeah, yeah. Um, but yes there's as you say like uptown which is our mm -hmm, downtown mm -hmm. um there's way more expensive mm -hmm, properties mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. in essence it's like i would say higher mid-tier yeah 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 because it also probably matters of like you don't want to go too low where your quality of tenants are probably gonna go down 100 percent. it could also be a, a headache right? but like, if you go yeah. too high that's more seasonal and then 
at the same time, I feel like the higher antennas also be more picky too. So there's yep. like give and take on both sides. You're kind of like in the sweet spot in the in the middle. Exactly. My if I, to sum it up, mm-hmm. dude, the the tenant or the the guests that I want to host are the ones that go to hotels mm-hmm. that go to like. You know, a Holiday Inn or yeah, yeah, one of yeah. not super lux like the yeah. M, you know, the M or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not super lux, but like right there that I can compete because my competitor mm-hmm. are not other Airbnb hosts. It's hotels. Mm-hmm. I don't consider Airbnb host my competitor. I see, I see. And I'll explain why because that's a question that I get a lot. Because the re- the reality is that if I have a neighbor that has an Airbnb that competes with mine, mm-hmm. if they get booked for that night, they no, they no longer show up on Airbnb to get booked, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. However, if somebody goes and books a an, uh, an, uh, unit in a hotel, they yeah. still have 200 plus yeah, 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 rooms yeah, that they yeah, can, yeah, yeah. you know, sell. Yeah. So my goal was to, number one, piggyback off of hotels marketing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they don't build a, a building until they do Locations heavy. that are going to have traffic or visits, right? Exactly. So, okay. so as long as there's a hotel nearby and I can bring a product that's going to be better. Re- or re- I mean, it's like, in like, so for the same clientele, but like cheaper price or better product. So. Not, and not even necessarily cheaper price, just a better product okay, all in okay. all. Um, Cause I'm, I might be in some cases more expensive in a hotel, mm. but then again, I have a, a superior product than yeah, a hotel. Yeah, yeah. You get your own kitchen, you get your own entrance. You don't have to speak to body, anybody. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah, go yeah. in, it's like you're literally at home, yeah, right? So yeah. we try to bring that um, vibe. And then again, it's a, it's a, it's very close to what hotels offer nowadays. Mm. Whereas in a hotel, you maybe have the little bar area, your bed, your bathroom, and most people are comfortable. Imagine if you had that plus a kitchen plus, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. all of the, those amenities. No, I definitely see the, the, the appeal of Airbnbs. I mean, like, the, whenever we travel, we like staying at Airbnbs too. Like, the yeah. one exception is Vegas because you want to stay on the strip, you know. But right. Like the, right. I, I, we should look into some Airbnbs on the ship. I think there might be some too. There so. is actually, there's hotels that offer Airbnbs. Oh, really? I gotta yeah. look into that. I've stayed in an Airbnb inside of a hotel. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Here. Super, super interesting. So. Mm-hmm. so, okay, we're, we're thinking, I mean, um, going back to your story. So you guys are like picking up these guys left and right. Like the, is there any, like, um, is it just, is it, it seems like easy. Like, is it that easy? You just, the first uh, year you guys got 12. I mean, yeah. what's like the, how's, how did the journey go from it, there? It's easy now, right? Yeah, because yeah. we've done it so much. It comes mm-hmm. with the repetition and because also because I teach it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you feel like as you're teaching it, you're getting better at it? hundred percent. So. Yeah. Anything that you can regurgitate or know mm-hmm. like the back of your hand, yeah, it's going to yeah. become natural to you. I feel, I mean, I, along that point, I feel like whenever like I want to like learn something, I just like pretend like I have to teach it to somebody and like it, it forces me to actually learn. That's a great even, strategy. even like when I'm like in, in a, like, let's say like a mentorship, I'm like, I'm always thinking about how I'm going to come back and teach it to my team. And like, mm-hmm. I literally am planning to, although most of the time I don't, Yeah. But, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm planning to like, Oh, this is so good. I'm going to, I can't wait to go back and share this with my team. But yeah. whenever I know that I'm going to be sharing with somebody else, like as I absorb the information or the, the, the thing there and they ask better questions because I know they're going to ask these questions as well. Too, yeah. Like, you know, so. No, that's a great way to, you know, prepare for that. And I think that if you're able to teach something, you've then really consumed it. Cause a lot of the times I remember back in school, dude, like I'll, I'll learn something, yeah, but I was yeah. literally just memorizing yeah. it. After the to, test is done, it's after like, the test it's is like, done, I'm like, I, what did I just say or do? I have no idea. It's funny. I mean, like even in college, I took I think like four years of Hawaiian language. Okay, I aced all the tests. After I absolutely, <laughs> I literally absolutely nothing. I know like three words. Like it's oh so, it's, it's, it's pretty sad. Like, I was just because you're just because there's no application, right? You just right. you observe it, and then just for like the, the short term application, but then. If you don't apply after that, then it, it kind of goes it away. It goes away. So, yeah. No, 100%. Because I'm constantly teaching it mm-hmm. and I'm getting feedback from the students, it actually mm-hmm. helps me as well. 
you're immersing yourself in the world of urban arbitrage right? because you got a mentorship program you're teaching mm -hmm. it you're doing it like it, there's just so many things that's going on where you just you're becoming the king because like you're you're just you're by you're, default you're, yeah. i guess yeah <laughs> and then not only that i'm getting perspective from different markets too mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm still i'm only in charlotte i'm mm -hmm. i'm technically an expert of charlotte yeah yeah i yeah. don't necessarily dive into the market strategy for different markets yeah, yeah, however yeah. my other students they'll mm. chime in they'll say how things are and I'm, yeah. I'm absorbing all of that yeah, and yeah. you know i love the fact that we could all come together twice a week and mm. kind of talk about a certain topic and yeah, after that yeah. it's q a and yeah. just kind of talking about the whole topic as a whole and then at the end of the day there's things that will come up and strategies that are mm. they're doing well and that i can implement and of course i'm all constantly giving them yeah. uh, value so it's the thing, uh, the thing though about your mentorship is that it's not just the Airbnb arbitrage you're just really good at Airbnb right. because like we have a few Airbnbs in our portfolios, but our guy actually like he took your class and he's every time he, he comes with the guy, he's like, Oh, I learned this from Ivan. I'm going to let, let's try this. I'm like, okay, oh, <laughs> like our friend Josh. So. Oh, that's awesome. I so, didn't even know. But yeah. So I'm mean, just like, he's like every time, like, or not every time, but like a lot of times, like he'll learn something. He's like, Oh, let's, let's try this. Like, Oh, go for it, bro. Like, yeah, like, he comes away excited. I guess like the way you teach and like the, like imparting some of these things. So it's just not the arbitrage game, but also just, being an excellent Airbnb host in general. Right, you know, right. Because so. at the end of the day, I mean, arbitrage is just a way to acquire the properties. Mm -hmm. But once you have it, mm -hmm. it's like if whether you own it, whether it's you're mm -hmm. co-hosting it, yeah. whether you're doing arbitrage, it's all the same. Yeah, yeah. The arbitrage term only comes to the acquisition of it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When you go point. out and buy the property, it's and it's already bought and you have mm -hmm. possession of it, you're going to operate it just yeah. the same, right? So, so that, like 90% of the work seems like in the operation over the acquisition. Is that, is that, is that Yeah, true? 100%. Because you mm -hmm. once you get it, you know, as long as you do a good job, mm -hmm. you're going to continue to re renew your lease or what mm -hmm. have you in the, ar in the arbitrage side of things. Um, and then I teach something that I call the pro-host evolution, right? Okay. And it's, um, there's three phases. Phase one is co-hosting. Okay. Then phase two is rental arbitrage. Okay. And then phase three is uh, buying and self-managing. Okay. Right? Okay. And how I break that down is more so in the hierarchy of financial ability. Okay. Someone okay. who has very little money, like we okay. have a lot of students that are in, in ProHost that they'll come in, that they have very little or no money. Mm -hmm. They only were able to get the coaching program, and mm -hmm. now they just want this information for when they get money again. They should start as co-hosts because as co-hosts, all you really need is information, and you can have a client next week that you can start making money from. So as a co-host, really what it is, is you're managing the property, short-term rentals, right? Okay, okay. So say you're doing the day-to-day -day operations, you're managing the cleaners, dispatching cleaners, and making sure that they go so, in there. Sure, wait, uh, so back that up. So when you're a co-host, are you taking over an Airbnb that is already existing? Like how, what you yes, that, it so? could be that, or mm -hmm. it could be um, someone like how I teach the students is that they can go out and speak to landlords that are renting out their property and, okay, and okay. in essence, pitch them the idea for them to further invest in their property by furnishing it. Okay, okay. And then them them do the day-to-day -day activity. I see. So it's almost like you're, so you're not doing a sublease. You're like, hey, Mr. Landlord. Yep. What about you, like, making this look a little pretty? And I'm going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Yes, please. So the please. new pitch is... Because I've I've changed the because arbitrage has become more and more, uh, I guess popular. More people okay, know about okay, it. Okay. It's harder to just go straight into arbitrage. Okay. And pitch arbitrage. Why is, why is that? Because a lot of landlords they are privy to okay. how it how it operates. That was the other so question. So they'll put gonna, a fence up. Oh, I see. I, that was the other question I was going to ask you. Is like, why don't landlords just do that themselves? 
because they could ba they barely like being landlords. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, if you do Airbnb, you you is gonna really? be being a landlord times three because that's now you have true. to deal that's, with guests and if true. there's that's any true. toilet paper and you know they that's, don't want to deal true. with yeah, that, that's true. right? That's true. So, but that's a question that I get a lot. It's like, oh, if you if you go Airbnb, like why doesn't the landlord do it themselves? Mm -hmm. That's a good point, but. If they're trying to, if they're struggling to rent their property yeah, on a regular yeah. basis, yeah. they're probably going to struggle even that, that's more. That's a good point. I, I mean, just now that I think about it, as a landlord, I'm like, I do not want to deal right, with Right, right. You would, you hire a co-host, yeah, which yeah, is what yeah, I'm going to yeah. get to. So at phase one, if, you, if you're a student of mine right now, I usually just tell them at this current state uh, that we're in, um, go find, go on Zillow, set a filter of you know, properties that haven't been rented out in the okay. last 90 days, but they've been in the market, but they just haven't been so rented out. They're sitting, one, so the landlord's trying to rent them, yep. they're not getting any traction. Basically. Right, they're not getting okay. any traction for whatever the reason. Mm -hmm. um, you're only filtering the ones that have been the longest available, okay, right? Okay. But they're, of course, in a desirable location. Okay. This is already assuming that our students have done the market research. They know a certain area mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. going to be good to do short-term rentals, okay, et cetera. Okay. So they'll go in to say, Mr. Landlord, I would love to propose you the idea of you furnishing your property. Okay, okay. And let's turn it into a, a short-term rental, and I'll run the day-to-day -day operation. It's gonna, they're still going to leverage the same pain points that a landlord has, which okay. we discussed earlier. Um, but they're going to say, hey, listen, now, not only can you rent your property, but you can make 2 3x what you were expecting to make as a regular traditional yeah, rental, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. Because now at short-term rentals, look, you can make this per night and you can yeah, yeah. you can show them, Give right? Them the data and the pitch and so Boom, okay, exactly. So. so what if they say, a lot of them I would assume that would say yes, uh, okay, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. So what's the catch? Oh, yeah. the catch is, all, there's no catch. It's really all, because of my work, I will just like to make at least 20% of okay. the revenue. Okay. So if your property makes $5,000 a month mm -hmm. in revenue. Let's, let's call it as a single family home. I would only really do this strategy if it's like a higher producing property. Okay. Um, you know, then you, then I'll make $1,000, right, for co-hosting. Okay. okay, that sounds good, but I don't have the money to furnish the property right mm -hmm. now, or I, I don't want to spend money on that. I just want to rent it out. Okay, in that case, how about if I just rent the property from you, myself, mm -hmm. and then I'll do this without you having to be involved. I'll okay. pay you what you're asking for. Okay. Right? And uh, you'll get payments every month and I'll go out and do this. I already did the numbers. I know that it will perform yeah. well. You won't have to worry about me because I'm going to take care of the property. My business depends on it. Mm -hmm. um, it'll always be in for sale condition if you decide you wanted to sell it in I the like future. I like how you said for sale condition. That's a really good like, term. Yeah. Like, yeah, I love yeah. That. It's it's, it, basically, it's pristine. Yeah. It's yeah, always yeah, going to be yeah, nice. Yeah, it's yeah. always going to be taken care of. You won't have to worry about having... I see that you've been on the market for 90 days, 56 days, yeah. and you haven't been able to rent it. If my business is doing well, you're going to continually get renewed mm -hmm. from me. Mm -hmm. um, okay, that sounds a little better, uh, but I'm not sure if I, how I feel about that. Well, sir, without due respect, or ma'am, you know, I'm giving you the option to make more money, or I'm giving you the option of renting it out at what you're asking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can go back into... Yeah, let's just listen and not be rented, Yeah, right? so not, yeah. you know, coming out of pocket to pay yeah, for yeah. this thing. I believe it's pretty unlikely that a landlord would say no to any of those. That's a really good pitch. And I think the, one of the keys is that you're going to a property that has been sitting. Because I think if yeah. it just goes to market, like, I don't want to deal with you. Like, I'm just going to get a normal renter because they don't have to think the, the mental value to just think about it. Yeah. But all of a sudden, might actually, too. But like, the fact that it's sitting is like, okay, I'm not, I can't get a regular renter. This sounds like a lot more attractive. So you're telling me I can make more money and do, like, very little work, but you're going to take some. Or... 
I can make like the same amount of money, but either way, I, I'm not doing anything. It's a win-win for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and my proposal to, and what I teach the students is like, yeah, start with the lowest hanging fruit, okay. which are the, the properties that have been sitting okay. for, okay. for a long time. But it might be not one that it might be that your market is so popping mm -hmm. that it, there's nothing sitting yeah. and that's okay too. Yeah. You're still the asset. Yeah. The thing, the thing that's is cool though, is like, it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, because it's a volume I mean, play. Yeah, man. I mean, like, the thing is, like, you're, not every landlord is gonna be like a good fit for you, or you're not gonna right. be a good fit for every landlord. But like, it literally takes like five minutes to just hop on a phone call and it's like, hey, I'm interested. Yeah. Like the, what do you think about this, right? And like, yes or no, or like, it's just like, it's just a very easy way to, I guess, like the hit the markets and like make a lot of offers on like potential like opportunities. Yeah, and then of course we have we teach the strategy on how to actually go about pitching. Mm -hmm. I'm personally not a fan of doing it over the phone. Okay. Um okay. simply because even though you could do more volume that way, I think the conversion rate increases drastically. I not I think I know. Yeah. Because there's still something about us yeah, being yeah, in yeah. front of each other. Yeah. Right? So I I I like to go the route when I, what we teach is going the route of asking, calling and asking if they accept corporate leases first, because okay, that's how okay. we would have to lock in the lease through a corporate lease, okay, okay. have it under an LLC, all these different things. That's the right structure, right? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, and then the actual pitching happens when you tour the property. Okay. 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 So after they said, yes, this, let's consider that it's a regular tenant, uh, landlord, it's a single family home okay, okay. or whatever. And you go tour the property, whether with the realtor or the landlord themselves, whatever mm -hmm. it is. That's when you're doing the this whole, you know, okay. kind of pitch type. And this thing. is where the also salesmanship comes in because like you're connecting, you're building rapport, yeah. you're building trust and credibility at this point in time. So like if they, they're like, yeah, I, I've been seeing like a trustworthy dude. I think this might make sense. Like you yeah. Know? So that's where like some of the magic does happen in person. Exactly. And it's it's just one of those things that you know even though our society is advancing drastically and mm -hmm. everything is pretty much digital and technology and all these things, mm -hmm. you can never really replace that human interaction. And being able to reach someone. A hundred percent. Actually, that's one of the reasons why we like we did the podcast in Vegas because it would be easier to just do this over Zoom. Like you know, yeah. like, just more more convenient in your yeah at your home in your bathroom, your living room, whatever. But like, I love the the person to person interaction. They're just something more organic and just it's a different vibe and feel. Like just doing things. A hundred percent. Like I remember um, when I first thought about starting my podcast, mm -hmm. I was gonna do it like on Riverside and just yeah, yeah, yeah. zoom in people with um, that are across the nation. Yeah, yeah. It's just not the same. I've seen so many. Even when it when you translates into like social media and you start yeah. posting these, it does it looks different, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's not the same as you and I sitting. Yeah, yeah. I I'm a proponent. Maybe somebody has done the the testing and all of that. But let's say we have a conversation here, and if we were to have this exact conversation over Zoom, it won't have the same effect. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a vibe back and forth. Like there's an energy between yeah. that you can list, you can feel and you can feedback, right? Even like when you're like let's say like you're speaking to a room. The, if the energy in the in the room is like dead or the crowd's not giving you anything, like you feel it, and it's a lot harder. But if the 100%. crowd's like like cheering you on or you're getting like a lot of good feedback, it yeah. kind of feeds brings, off. Yeah, of it. it's like it's like a it's a, there's like a symbiotic kind of relationship with it. Exactly, so, yeah, so. exactly. I seen yeah. a, I think I seen a podcast where there's two guys and like they they each were in separate like parts of the country, but they had like the setup where like they they both had like a, so they they faked it was like a fake thing. So when you were looking at social media, uh -huh. it looks like they're sitting across from each other because like the uh -huh. camera's like that. But then in actually they're actually like oh wow, I never seen that. It was, that's that was cool. super interesting. I was like I was wondering how that works. The only thing is 
both sides have to have like a good camera set up, right? So, yes, yeah. that's another big thing that which you can, you you don't have much control over. Yeah, that. yeah. I've known of people. I think that they'll mail their their guests oh. the equipment, and okay. I guess maybe to run guarantee, them through. to guarantee that it has like the good microphone yeah. quality. Yeah, like microphone, the camera, whatever. Hey, set yeah. this up, and they'll give them, I guess, a tutorial on how to mm. set, set it up, or the, their team is, which is a great idea too. Yeah. But still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing beats in person. Nothing beats in person. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's so awesome. I mean, that, I mean, there, there, there's so much that you kind of like giving away like free game right now. You're just, I'm just, I'm still like kind of processing. It, like, <laughs> it's a, so like the, so the first strategy is co-hosting. Yes. So you're kind of pitching into like the, the arbitrage. Yep. But like that is, they're both like really like good options for any landlord. Yeah. What's the, so the, what is the third, the third? So, way, so. and by the way, phase one and two of the pro host evolution mm -hmm. is really what my program focuses focuses on, on okay, and teaches okay. on it's really for entry-level investors mm -hmm. or people who want to get into real estate investing okay because you're not really invest an investor technically you yeah. haven't earned your stripes yeah as yeah. a real estate investor if you have airbnbs that you co-host or arbitrage they're okay, not your properties okay, okay. And, and and even though the majority of my portfolio is arbitrage mm -hmm. i fall under that i'm not an investor mm -hmm. because i have rental arbitrage mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. properties um, I just manage a business that it, happens to be in it, there. That's, that is true, but I also feel like you're like in the game, and like yeah. it's almost like by proximity. Yeah, you're in the real estate game, right? So like, yeah, you're the, I mean, well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I it's like a wholesaler. A wholesaler isn't a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. They just run a business that's it's a it's a marketing sales yeah, yeah. business. I mean, so I, I consider wholesaler real estate investor. I see what you're saying. Though. Like, I know you what you're mean. Like, like so, you yeah. never own the property. Yeah, a real yeah, estate yeah, investor yeah. is is investing into the actual asset itself. Yeah, that's saying. my point of view. And yeah. I think that I don't think that many people would disagree with that. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we the goal is to get to that yeah, real estate yeah, investor, yeah, which yeah. is where phase three comes along. Okay, okay. And this is where I'm at currently. Okay. Right. Um, and that's why I love my coaching program, because I've gone through the phases myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Therefore, I can teach it. And I've always been a proponent of doing things myself before I'm able to ever touch on the subject. I love I love that. I mean, the, one of the best teachers is our guys who are have done it and are currently doing it and are making it better right which is exactly what you're doing so i think that's why you're you're so knowledgeable and passionate and add so much value versus the guys who are like i read about it in a book and i'm teaching yeah. it or like i know yeah. this how it should be done but i've not i've not gone through the steps myself Dude, there's like, so many know? people that are doing airbnb on tiktok and they they've been in the game <laughs> for a year and they feel like they're the yeah, end yeah. all be all i mean i i don't knock them because i was that guy yeah yeah in that at like one year into it, I started I my coach, all, my, my yeah. course, right? <laughs> okay, okay. But I did it more from a place of like, dude, I need to help more people mm -hmm. get out of where I was. Mm -hmm. And again, I had a pretty decent job. I wasn't broke per se. Like I was mm -hmm. making good money, all these different things, but I felt trapped, right? Like yeah, yeah, if yeah. it's like a lion inside of a cage, they're going to, they're, like you, you feel you can offer more, yet yeah, yeah. you don't know what to do. Yeah, so yeah. when I found out this vehicle that can allow an entrepreneur that's stuck in that nine to five rat race or that is um, has the golden handcuffs, like they call it, you know, and I found this vehicle that they can come out of that. I just wanted to share it with the whole world. Right. So yeah. that's where the like the coaching and the course came about. This is this strategy. Now that I'm thinking about it is like the easiest way to go from nine to five to full time investor because in like, real estate. Specifically. Yeah, in real estate, because I mean, like wholesaling, there's like this marketing machine. There's like yeah. a lot of things like uh, to get started flipping, same thing. Yeah. But then like the it's such an easy transition It's like just call some landlords. I can co-host basically have a, a part time job on the side. I'm kind of like getting my introduction to real estate, making money. Mm -hmm. And then like there's very little risk on, on your part. right? I mean, there is yeah. some, some risk, but like very little, very little. And then it's yeah. also better than wholesaling in that 
once you get a property and you furnish it, you're at least 12 months yeah. with that. Residual when you wholesale, income, right? Yeah, so. when you when you wholesale a property, once you yeah. sell it, that's it. You got to go, yeah. go go find more. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's definitely more sustainable. I would say, you know, the cash conversion rate is, you know, mm -hmm. the, the margins are really good if yeah, you're arbitraging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that leads us into phase three of the okay. progress evolution, which is where I'm personally at okay. now, which is now becoming a, from a going from a business owner okay. operating a short-term rental business to actual real estate investor still operating a short-term mm -hmm. rental business. And what we're doing now is going out and buying. Okay, what I thought okay. I needed to do and save up for, you know, is like what was in my the vision board. And stuff, yeah. yeah, what I thought I couldn't do until I saved up thousands upon thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Now, because we're cash flowing um, with a short-term rental business with arbitrage and all these different mm -hmm. things, I can deploy that into actually buying properties, taking it. advantage of the depreciation, appreciation, yeah. having these assets that I can eventually hand off to my kids and all these different things and it. really becoming yeah. a real estate investor. So for me personally, I gravitate a lot towards the creative financing, uh, creative financing stuff. I've, um, I've leaned a lot into like Pace Morby and all yeah, these people yeah, that yeah. are doing creative financing at a high level. However, I'm not opposed to just traditional, yeah, yeah, bu yeah. traditionally buying them either. Um, so now that's where we're moving into. I have out of my portfolio, I have two now two properties that we own. Um, Congrats, bro! Thank it's, you, man. It's so exciting. Yeah. So that last one that I t just told you about that we just got, it was a property that we got a seller find. Actually, mm -hmm. it was someone from the community, from my pro host, one of the students. Um, she's no longer in. She kind of like graduated out of it, type of thing. She's doing bigger things, but um, she sold me this property. Uh, seller financed it to me, zero uh, percent interest, seven year balloon. 10% down payment, you know, really nice deal, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. In a really good location where I'm doing business in Charlotte, North Carolina. So it's in my backyard where I have all of my team, all of my resources and all of that. And then I find out, which this happened like three days ago okay. from the time of this recording. Okay. And then I find out like the very next day that I can build an ADU behind it. Oh, wow. Because I know a few people that are close in the community that are doing ADUs and they just keep preaching about it. I'm like, let me see if by any chance I could do this thing yeah, and yeah, build yeah, yeah. another prop property in the back. And so, and lo and behold, they told me that I could. I'm like, dude, this became an even better it, was deal. Was it, was it in class to build ADU, you think? I, I don't even know. Yeah. This literally happened like... Two days ago, okay, and okay, okay. and it doesn't even count. I haven't been able to do yeah, much yeah, research because we've been at the conference okay, and all of that. Okay. But I just got super excited. I remember we were at the conference. We were watching one of the speakers, and I just got the email. I was doing things on my on my iPad, and my wife was next to me, and I'm like, <laughs> read the email. And she's like, oh no way! So we both got excited about it, and that's what now is like exciting, right? Now, now we're starting to build these assets or um, buy these assets, yeah. and. We can call ourselves it's actual snow, real estate it's investors. It's snowballing. It's like you're 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 snowballing that your skill set, yeah. your your portfolio, your cash flow, all these different things. But it's turning into turning into like a bigger and bigger, bigger investor. And so like you're rising through the ranks through like real estate investing, or, or I mean through like arbitrage or, or Airbnbs, right? Yeah. So yeah. and for me, if from the outside now now that I'm in around these like big players that yeah, they're flipping yeah. freaking 150 properties yeah, yeah. a year yeah. and. You know, we're in a community where people are doing it at a high yeah, scale. Yeah. I feel like I'm just not doing it fast enough. Mm -hmm. And I remember having to kind of like check myself and say, dude, you're, you're just doing it at your pace. You're, yeah, yeah. Everybody feels when, especially in a community like ours, it's mm -hmm. very easy to feel like you're not doing enough because you're around people that are doing it like crazy. Yeah, yeah. And what they, what I had to think about is like, hey, 
not everybody has a coaching program. Not everybody has two kids that you spend mm-hmm. your you know time. Not everybody has a wife. Not everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, everybody's yeah, circumstance yeah, yeah. is completely different. So that comparison is something that I personally like it will kind of creep in, creep in on me yeah, and yeah. be like, I should be doing so much more. How is it that my students are doing so much more? Yeah, Which, by yeah. the way, is one of the it's the biggest compliment for me when one of my students just takes it and freaking does five X what I'm doing. And then and then some when when I hear that or when I see that it's just like the best. I love that. I mean, like just it just goes to show like just like where your headspace is as far as just. You love when your students succeed. It's almost like a little mini reward in itself. Like you know, oh no, like it's a huge reward for me. Money. Yeah, so for just, sure. But I mean, like just like I love like just like the the goal giving, like the mentality. But you touched on another point where you said like so. At the end of the day, it's not just about how much business or money you do, but like family and time freedom is also a big proponent on just. I think like when they, people see like real estate investors, we're like, they just love money, like yeah. you know. But in in actually like a guy like yourself is like you're an amazing husband and father and like you really prioritize like your family i think you just um a few years ago like you retired your wife right <laughs> yeah yeah so um that was after you know after the day that i gave my life to christ and the day mm, i wow. married my wife wow that was probably the biggest day of my life when i was mm-hmm. able to tell her hey babe um you know you don't have to leave your job mm-hmm. because if you you know enjoy it enough to where you you want to keep it you know, by all means do that. Yeah. But I just want you to know that you don't have to keep it. Like we, you could let go and we have two kids now. Um, I would love for you to continue to be the awesome mom that you are here at home. Um, and then we can navigate that, but just know that you don't have to. And then, you know, that was just a huge moment for, for both of us, because that's something that I never really voiced it. That was a priority to her, mm-hmm. but I feel like she knew it. And um, it's funny because I, I ended up like posting it and, and um, on Instagram and all of that, it's way down. Like you have to scroll way down. <laughs> but um, you know, it was a really, really big moment for us, and mm-hmm. and a pivotal like that right there, dude. It was bigger than whenever when I was when we were in Paris that we made our first one hundred thousand dollars on Airbnb. We were in our last two raw vacation, and we, you know, that was very rewarding. It's like, hey, our efforts are finally yeah, you know, coming yeah, to fruition, yeah. and we're seeing the fruit of our labor. Like there's nothing else that compares to being able to give that freedom. Cause a lot of people, when they say they love money, they don't love money. They love what money can buy them. Yeah. And yeah. for me, yeah. what it bought me was the fact that I can have my wife, you know, with with me whenever I get back home and mm-hmm. being there with my kids, especially in the world that we live in, where you you can't really trust the educational system out there and you have to have more of a hands-on yeah, approach yeah. to raising children and all these things. So does your wife is she uh, does she homeschool your guys' kids? So they're just one, uh, two, and three. Okay, so okay, we're not okay. there yet, but yes, we will be homeschooling okay, them a hundred percent, at least for now, unless something yeah. really miraculous happens uh, here very soon. I, I I see a lot of I feel like entrepreneurs who like just are taking matters into their own hands and actually have their their children homeschool like that. Yeah, there's definitely it's very cool that you have the option to be able to do that though. So. No, a hundred percent. It's a blessing because at the end of the day, not everybody has that mm-hmm. luxury. Mm-hmm of being able to say like, no, I'm not going to plug them into the public system Mm -hmm. and all these things. Not everybody can make that decision. So, you know, by the grace of God, we've been able to build something to where we can say that we want, if we want to do that, we do it. And uh, a lot of the times, you know, these entrepreneurs and all that, um, when they take their children through that process of homeschooling and all of that is a lot of the time is for convenience. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, being able to travel and, you know, not being tied down or by, by the, by the schedule of the yeah, school yeah, system, yeah, all yeah. these different things. Um, but the added benefit, or I think the priority in our case is really what they're learning. 
like just really like defining their worldview and who they are as people. I think this is like from five to twelve is really where like you mm-hmm. kind of like set like what they believe about the world. And so like if right. you can have a big hand in, in shaping that to how it should be, like that's gonna really set them up for like the rest of their lives. One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you we see that in so many people that they have mom and dad at home and all that that you know they usually um, turn out to be pretty decent people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then there's obviously people like myself that I didn't have a dad at home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I decided to be the difference in my family mm-hmm. lineage and, um, you know, be the first one that provides that. Yeah. And then that my kids can say, hey, mom and dad were here mm-hmm. and they did instill this and, and that. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, when we're able to do that, we should Love take that. full advantage of being able to do that. So what was like, give us the story. Like, what was your wife's um, expression or what? How did it go down as far as like when you when you like, gave her the news? There was obviously like excitement and like you know, she teared up or she, you know, started crying. And, um, I just basically told her, listen, we've been doing pretty good. Um, you know, the business has been very fruitful. Um, and I think also what is very helpful is the fact that she grinded with me. It's not like she didn't do anything in the business. Like in the beginning, she was the one cleaning the toilets. What, what was her like nine to five job, or what was she doing as far as far as work at that point in time? At that point, she was working with a company that was in charge of selling the food, basically to the poultry system, like the like chicken, okay, okay and all that, okay. like massive company that all they did was basically sell the 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 feeds and okay, all that stuff, okay. right? Um, and that's a job that she got after I decided after we had three units or something like that. We got our first three units. Um, I was working at Allstate at the time. She was doing all of the work of communicating with guests and cleaning toilets and washing the laundry. So loads. she's working a full time job at Allstate. No, 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 no. Oh. So, so, okay, so when we moved into Charlotte, okay. I had a nine to five. Okay. Right. She was operating the business okay, at that okay. time, um, the first two, three units, and she was operating all of the day to day activity while I was in my nine to five. Okay. Okay. Right. And then once I left. Um, my nine to five, we switched roles. She went okay. out and got that job that I just told you okay. about. And then I was building the business. Got it, got it, okay. But um, she was always helping out and then we would go to look at new properties every weekend together. And You know what? It's actually fun though. Like, so when you're just kind of like on your, like, your journey upwards, like when you guys are both, you're both like relatively poor, like, you're, like you're, you're kind of like figuring it out. Yeah. Then like that grind together is like, just is like there's something about like, being in the grind together that just really builds a, a, a special bond together. hundred like, you know? percent, man. It's very different the dynamic when it's something that let's say you get married and one of you is already wealthy, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Then if you build something yeah. significant my, together, my wife and I, when we first started, we were kind of like flipping. We thought we were gonna do the work ourselves, right? So I was like, hey, hon, like we're gonna floor house, we're gonna paint, but she's a trooper, like you know, she's like yeah. so she's in there with me, yeah, like all night, like and like I feel like in the beginning of the the business, you're always pulling all nighters, right? It's right. Like, it's like Countless yeah. online, but it's like, it's like at the time it was like it's so exhausting. It was so like I mean, after the project is finished, it's, it's rewarding. But I think during the times we have some fights, like you know, oh, like yeah. high stress, like that. Yeah. We painted the wrong color. It's <laughs> like, like, a whole bunch of like things like you screwed in the things like crooked, like right, that. Right, right. I mean, they're just like things that just happen, right? It's just yeah. part of like like investing and so just. But then looking back, it's like some of the best times because you just you get to spend it together with somebody that you like kind of work together and grind yeah. it together through like those those difficult times. Yeah, right? not only that, like with us, we because we were determined to getting 12 listings our first mm-hmm. year, what we did because we didn't have any kids is that we would rent a property, we would live in it, furnish it in the time that we're there. We would lock in the lease for a new one 
Okay. And then list that one that we were living in. Oh, wow. Okay. And we were basically like a living, living Airbnb flips kind of thing. Living so. exactly. And as we were living, we were living off our luggage for a period of time, just jumping from one listing mm-hmm. to the next to the next. And we did that for for a couple months. Okay. Um. And again, that's just a testament of like how she is, like so down determined, to just, down to, down to it whatever done. it took. So. Because she understood the assignment. Yeah. Right? We wanted to be in a place, like, my biggest motivator during that time period, and the reason why I never gave an excuse, or the reason why she didn't give an excuse, because we came together, and I just, I said, I want to have paternity leave when yeah. we have our first kid. Mm-hmm. I want to be there for her, and I want to be there for my kid. I don't want to have to ask my boss for permission to if I can be there for my kid or not. So what I did is I actually hacked my mind into thinking that she was already pregnant that she okay. told me she was already pregnant <laughs> and then i just went to work bro <laughs> like funny. there's no that's better funny. fire that you can put up your butt than thinking that your wife is already pregnant that's so funny. so it worked really well and um that got us through that process and lo and behold when my mm-hmm. when my son came um you know i was there i was there mm-hmm. the whole time the whole process um and same with my daughter right mm-hmm. um and that's unfortunately not a luxury that a lot of people have. Yeah, yeah. And I'm super grateful that I, I was able to do that. Love, love, love everything about like that story and just the journey. I'm just, it's just, it's just like a, like it just, uh, good feels all around. Like, you yeah. know, you guys start from the bottom, you work together, you're here where you are now. What does like maybe like the next three to five years look like for you and your wife? Um, so one of our biggest goals now and um, yeah, our biggest goal right now is having a, uh, 24 7 kind of like nanny right somebody to help her around you know two kids that are you know getting to the age that they're already pretty active and Mm -hmm. it could be overwhelming at times and you know that's one of our big goals and then also we want to build or find our forever home okay um we're constantly every single day we see some sort of post or something like that and we're sharing with each other with the little features of the kitchen mm-hmm. and you know the garage and all these yeah. different things which, of which what our forever home would look like the movie theater that turns into a <laughs> golf simulator I love it. craziness so whenever we that. get our forever yeah. home if you're following me in the journey it's gonna be epic Dude, number I'm, one I'm so yeah so, so that is a huge also a huge motivator for us um we've been able to do things you know for our family um already but you know put them in a, in a crazy financial mm-hmm. place as well mm-hmm. like we've been able to take our just recently we took um, my wife's uh, father to to Punta Cana on vacation for the first time. He's never been. Wow. Okay. So we took him. Um, we took my mom on a cruise for her birthday. Um, but we want to be able to also contribute back to them in a bigger mm-hmm. way, whatever the Lord puts in us to do. But and um, that's a big motivator as well. And be able to give our to our community, our church, yeah, and all that. Yeah. Love, 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 love everything about that. So just like before we wrap up, like what's like uh, some like let's somebody who just just getting started, right? Like they're like. They don't know anything about real estate. They're like, hey, like I'm working at Circuit City or I'm working at wherever it yeah. is. And like the I'm inspired by Ivan and his wife's story. What's like the first step you think for them to get started? Or what advice would you give to somebody like that? Somebody like that, first they need to get information, right? Okay. Um, information by ev- whatever means, whether that's scavenging the internet, YouTube, mm-hmm. going to YouTube university, uh, whatever it is. You need to get information, build a skill, mm-hmm. be able mm-hmm. to differentiate yourself from others in the marketplace right and in this case a lot of the times one of the biggest hacks is you know mentorship programs or coaching programs like the one we have that the ones that we're in like you're a you're a huge testament of someone who invests in themselves yeah because you not only are part of 
you know, wealthy investor and all these yeah, things, but you're yeah. constantly investing in yourself and yeah. paying for masterminds and yeah, yeah. proximity and having direct access it's, and all of that. It's crazy. When I first started investing, I was super anti-coaching and anti like paying for anything. Like I was Me like, too. why <laughs> would I pay something when I can just find it for free on the, the internet yeah. books? And so like, the what first, changed your mind? So like the, the it was ba- it was basically like the I combination of different things. It was a slow trickle, but like the seeing some other guys pay for coaching and then elevate past me. Like that was like one of the a few things. But mm-hmm. also that was like I realized that like the yes, the coaching and like the the things that cost money, but then like they can help me get through places faster. Yes. And so like I I'm I like I think as entrepreneurs we have like a lot of confidence in ourselves. Like yeah. we're gonna get there no matter what. If we yeah. didn't have coaching, we would still figure it out. Yeah. But then like we have like let's say two to three year goals. If coaching can get me there in six months to a year, boom, now I can just hit those goals like faster, then that's what's worth it. So I, yeah. whenever I buy coaching, I'm like, will this help me hit my goal faster? Or yeah. is this a good investment? You know, so like just now I'm like, now I'm like I think I spent too much money on coaching. I'm, like, I'm all about coaching. <laughs> You're so addicted like, to the coaching. Now I'm yeah. like, let's just, let's just, I'm just like, let's just spend money to get me there faster. I'm, yeah. it's, it's almost a form of laziness though. It's Dude, like I, I actually, this is exactly what I tell students, especially the new ones mm-hmm. um, or people that are on the fence of joining mm-hmm. a coaching mm-hmm. program at all. At the end of the day, what you're buying is time. Yeah, yeah. All the information in the world is out there. Mm-hmm. Like right now, you can type in how to start an Airbnb business and ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. It'll probably tell you something yeah, yeah. similar to what I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. The information is there. Yeah. What, what you're paying for is, number one, the experience that you haven't gone through yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because you're going to ba- basically leverage someone else's experience, their failures and all that. The accountability, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Having someone there that can say, hey, why haven't you gotten your first yeah, yeah. property? You've been in the program for three months. What's yeah, going on? Yeah. And then, of course, the time, right? Yeah. The information condensed, packaged in a way that's easy to consume. Like, for instance, I prioritize being able to give our students the content that they need, the information that they need mm-hmm. in chronological order yeah. as they need it. That's it's so that's so powerful. I think... So I, Pineda actually talked about this. He said, like, there's three levels of coaching or three levels of learning. So the first level is just information. Like, I sign up for a course. I can, like, watch a course, and I can just learn. I can learn this from a book or from YouTube University. Just a one-way transaction for me to learn. Yeah. The second level is, like, consulting where I'm talking to somebody like yourself. I'm like, hey, not only am I getting information, but here's my situation. How can I apply your information to my situation to, like, unstuck me or take me to the next step, right? So, like, yep. that's the second level. And then the third level is accountability we're like okay i'm getting st- i got the information you're helping me get unstuck how can i daily or weekly continue to on this path and someone to hold me accountable so i'm constantly making progress forward and i think a good coaching program will have all three components of that right 100 so. percent. i couldn't agree more that's perfectly said i mean our mentor said it yeah yeah <laughs> credit to ryan Fidel, I like yeah. this also. <laughs> i mean just like i figure just like it just it's insightful to see like how like because when people say coaching there's so many different types of coaches or programs but there's ones that really stick out where it really works and others that for some reason like it doesn't and also it also depends on the person because if you buy coaching but you don't apply it or take advantage of it like there's a lot of guys i know who will buy a coaching program and then they never show up to any calls or they don't even watch the the modules they just expect it to magically like work but you do have to put in the work to make it like um, yeah that and i would also add the fact that who you're getting coaching from you need to be able to resonate with them at some capacity as well like who you're learning from is super important as well Mm -hmm and how many different connecting points there are. Mm-hmm. So I was actually on a sales call not too long ago, um, and it was you know someone who was super interested in our coaching program yeah. and all these different things. And they asked me a question, which is pretty common, which is okay. like, why, why you and not all of these other yeah, yeah, gurus? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a valid question, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, 
And I answered because there's only one of me, right? Okay. Like, you might resonate with me mm-hmm. for my values, my faith, my uh, because I like golf, uh, yeah. because I don't know, whatever the reason is. And I think that someone who's trying to find a coach, a mentor, mm-hmm. or something like that, they need to resonate with them on a higher level. Yeah, ch- yeah. Uh, beyond what the information it is that Just they have. Just the tactics, right? Right, so. right. Because, you know, you might find uh, someone like, you know, freaking Grant Cardone, right? Yeah. Let's use him as an example that everybody knows. Like, you have a Grant Cardone that is out there crushing it. And, you know, he obviously knows a lot about real estate. Yeah, you want to yeah. learn everything that he knows. But let's say, what if he wasn't living the life that he does live? He has an amazing family mm-hmm. and all of these things. But let's say that he wasn't, that he didn't care about his family, mm-hmm. that he was cheating on his wife and all these different things, mm-hmm. Right. Like, you could still get that information, but is that the life that you want to live? Like, you yeah, have to see yeah. the whole scope of the thing, yeah, yeah, in yeah. my personal opinion, I agree in that, that case, which is one of the reasons why I gravitated so heavily towards Ryan Pineda. Same, because same. same age, we faith, it's the same. We value our family. We value yeah, our, yeah. you know, the people we're around. We have a passion for teaching and yeah, helping yeah, other people yeah. and all these different things. And um, that's really how you pick it's a mentor. It's kind of cool now that you mentioned it because... Like you, as a mentor or coach or a guru, you kind of attract your tribe of people like you. And so yeah. like, I think it's like Pineda really attracts guys like yourself and myself where like we kind of see this vibe the same way where we yeah. have the same core beliefs and values. And so like the community that he's built is really a reflection of him. Of him right. So 100%. It's, it's, it's kinda yeah. Cool, when so. you when you when you go into one of the conferences, you have a thousand people there. Yeah. And it's like how many of you, you know, uh, are Christian? Like yeah, more yeah. than half of the, the yeah. room will lift up their hands mm-hmm. because that's he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. How many of you love real estate? Obviously, mm-hmm. everybody's lifting up their hands, even though it's technically a real estate entrepreneurship and social media conference, yeah, right? They yeah, could be all yeah. three of those things, yeah, yeah. right? So a lot of those similarities are going to, you you attract what you are mm-hmm. at the end of the day. That's yeah. so good, so good. Well, thank you for your time, man. Today was super fire, like just like the tips and the, My pleasure, all, the all the value guys you add to um to the world in general, you know, but if people want to reach out or find out more about you, where can they do so? Um, so it's just my IG Instagram is where I'm mostly at. Um, Ivan Tejeda. It's, uh, okay. my name. Um, I'm launching very soon. We're just in the middle of recording my, my brand new podcast as okay, well, okay. which my wife would be featured in a lot of those. Amazing. It's going to be called love and Cash Flow, okay. which I'm excited about. It's going to be all about navigating, you know, love, you know, family life balance with the business life and all these different things. We'll have really cool um, guests on there. Hopefully some of the ones that you know. Love it, yeah. um, so I'm super excited about that journey as well and our podcast journey. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for now. Awesome, man. Well, thanks. Thanks My for coming out. I appreciate you. Thank you, man.